And I want to look at this commandment today uh, under the heading, How to Prosper with Integrity. How to Prosper with Integrity. Uh, before we get into uh, why, how we steal and why we shouldn't steal, let me tell you why people steal. There's basically three reasons why people steal. First, because we are greedy. The Bible says the love of money is a root of all evil. Look, we love money. Uh, we love it, and the more we can have, the better off we think we are. So the first reason people steal is because they're greedy. Second, people steal because they are lazy. If they can get something for nothing, they are happy about it. They don't want to work. They don't want to do anything, and so they're lazy. The third reason that people steal is because of pride. We think if we can pull something over on somebody else, then we've got one on them. And it makes us feel inferior, uh, superior to those individuals. So those are the, the main three reasons people steal because of greed, lazy, and pride. Now, how do we steal? Uh, there's many different ways that we steal, and I could probably give you a, a, a multitude of them. I'm just going to give you six. I know there's, there's more, and you could probably come up with your own, but these are the six that I see that are most prevalent for us. First, we steal by deceiving customers. 3,000 years ago, this was a common practice. As the Bible tells us in the book of Amos chapter 8 verse 5, that the people in the marketplace were skimping the measure, boosting the price, and cheating with dishonest scales. Kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? Kind of sounds like what we hear, hear today. You know, when a repairman makes unnecessary repairs, uh, you wonder, is he being honest? I've had that problem. Many of you do not know. I've lived in my house two and a half years, and I have put more money into plumbing in my house than any house I've ever lived in in my entire life. Uh, just this week, I, I was given a bid to fix a problem that another plumber did two years ago. And every time the plumbers come, I wonder, is, is, this, is this right? I mean, you're not even telling me what my problem is. Well, I finally had a solution. I say, you know, I can fix it for $650. I can fix it. I said, how much did it cost if I dig the hole? He said, two twenty-seven fifty. I said, okay, I'll dig the hole up. So I had a couple of youth come over. We dug the hole up. It was a lot deeper than we thought, a lot harder than it thought. Probably wouldn't have got it done if Ken Orr hadn't come and supervised or helped. Really, he did most of the work. And we got down there. We found out the whole line was corroded. I said, you know, he could have told me this a long time ago, and I could have saved this. So he, for the cheap price of $4,500, he can fix it. <sighs> Well, you know what? You got to have sewer in your house. I've discovered that. It's just one of those things you got to have. But I, I couldn't help but wondering in the back of my mind, have these repairmen been doing unnecessary repairs to my house? I couldn't help but think that. When a doctor orders tests that you may not really need, guess what? He's deceiving his customers. When a salesman skips over the fine print uh, he's deceiving his customers. Or listen to this one. When you sell a car to somebody and you don't tell them all the problems you have with the car, guess what? You're deceiving a customer. We deceive people. That's how we steal. Second, we steal by defrauding employers. I'm not just talking here about employee theft where you, you pad an expense to get a little bit more money or when you take home supplies that don't belong from you, uh, belong to you from the office. I'm talking about when you waste time at work. Uh, you know how it works, and maybe you don't do it now because most of you are probably not employed, but you know, you, you come in late, 
You leave early, you take three coffee breaks during the day, and you take an extra long lunch. By the time it's over, there's not a lot left for you to work. But they're paying you to work. You know what we call that? That's called defrauding your employer, taking advantage of employer. You know, those people that they say, well, I, I, you know, I'm going home early to make up late for coming in, coming in late. You know, uh, that's the way. So we, we defraud them when we do such things. Third, we steal by delaying payments. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 13 says, do not hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. If, if there's someone whom you owe money, don't say the check's in the mail. Don't do that. You're defrauding that individual. You're, 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 you're delaying the payments of that individual. I used to have this happen to me all the time when I was a contract surveyor. We would come in every day and we'd send out, a, we'd write an invoice for the work that we did. And at the end of the week, we'd send in that invoice to all these different individuals. And we send it in expecting them to pay us. Now, we were paying our men weekly. And we would not get paid for those bills for two to three months down the line. And, and what they were doing, they were getting paid for their job. And then they were supposed to give us a portion of that money. But they were holding our money and drawing interest off of our money. And we were having to use our own money to pay our men, to pay for our supplies. That, that is not right. That's the, that's the delaying payments. You see, the strategy says, I will bill my customers immediately, and then I'll pay my bills in 160 days, and I will use their money to make interest on, on, on their money. Listen, it's their money. You don't have a right to make interest on their money. Pay the bill. Get it paid on time. We use their capital to make more money for ourselves. Listen, you're not all bankers, okay? Uh, you, you can't all do use somebody else's money to make money. We are not to delay in our payments. It's their money, and they have a right to make a profit on their money. Fourth, we steal by defaulting on loans. Psalm 37 verse 21 says, the wicked borrow and do not repay. Some people have no intention of paying back something that they borrow. You know who the worst people are? Family members. Family members are, are, are the worst about giving loans to. If you loan money to a family member, you might as well say, I'm not expecting it back. And tell them that. He said, hey, look, I'm doing this because I love you. You're my family member. You know, if you pay me back, that's great. If you don't, that's okay. There's not going to be a problem between you and me. Uh, you know, family members are the worst. And I'm not just talking about bankruptcy here. That's not what I'm talking about. What's in your garage that belongs to somebody else? Some people have this tendency to borrow things of other people, and they kind of hang on to it uh, for, for a long time. I don't think I have anything in my garage that belongs to anybody else. I, 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 might, I might need to go clean my garage out and find out. Listen, it's, it's called not, not long-term borrowing. It's stealing is what it is. You're using something permanently that belongs to someone else. We steal by deceiving the government. Romans 13 verse 6 and 7 says, the authorities are God's servants. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. I'm not talking about minimizing your taxes. That's called good stewardship. 
You know, I expect you to minimize your taxes. I expect you to take advantage of the, the loopholes been provided for you by the government. That is called good management. That's good stewardship. There's no reason whatsoever to overpay on your taxes. That's not what we're talking about. Tax evasion is illegal. You cannot avoid paying tax. I guess you can, but if you do, you are stealing, you are deceiving the government, and you need to stop it. God says we shall not deceive the government. If we owe them taxes, we pay them taxes. Last, we steal by defrauding the Lord. Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. The Bible says, this is not Pastor Bruce, the Bible says that we are to give 10% off the top. I saw a cartoon the other day and it had this pastor who was expounding the Greek. He says, now the word tithe to the Greek literally means 25%. He said, they won't know anything about the original Greek. So I'll just tell them that and they'll believe me. Look, it says 10%. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's the same thing, 10%. The Bible says if we do not give 10% of our earnings right off the top to God, that we are stealing, we are robbing from God. We are to do it out of gratitude. Listen, God could have said give 20%. He could have said give 50%, but he said give 10%. That's all I'm asking. He said, I'm asking you to step out on faith and give to me 10% of what I've given to you. Listen, I wouldn't have anything if it weren't for God. I wouldn't be alive today if it weren't for God. He could have said anything, but he said, I just want 10%. If I'm paying my bills before I give back to God, guess what? I am robbing God. I know that's hard to hear, but it's the truth. It's exactly what happens. I read a story about a pastor who was preaching through the Ten Commandments. And every Sunday, a man would come up to him and said, man, you are really shucking corn today, preacher. Man, you are really laying it out there. These sermons, these Ten Commandments, you are really telling us what it's all about. You are preaching God's Word. Every Sunday after, after a commandment, he would do that until he got to this one. And then he walked up to the preacher and said, well, you're just meddling today. You see, here's the way it is, folks. We like to talk about other people's sins. We like to talk about what they do. But when we get to this one and we see, you mean God's Word really says if we're not tithing, we're robbing from Him, we're not comfortable. We don't like that one because it gets personal, doesn't it? It begins to affect our life. It begins to affect us in a real way. We love to hear about other people's sins and other people's problems. And we're all saying, amen, preacher. Let them have it, preacher. And then we go, oh, wait a minute. He's talking to me. And instead of saying amen, we say, oh, me. Oh, me. We, we don't like it when we realize I'm breaking the eighth commandment because I'm not tithing. We don't like it. When you pay your bills before you pay God and you have nothing left over the end of the week, guess what? You are using stolen money to pay your bills. Plain and simple. That's what God's Word says. Those are, how, those are the reasons how we steal. Deceiving customers, defrauding employers, delaying payments, defaulting on loans, deceiving the government, defrauding the Lord. So why should I be honest? 
Why should I look at this verse that says you shall not steal? Maybe it should say you, you shall be honest in your dealings with individuals. You should be honest because you are being watched. You should be honest because you're being watched. You're being watched by God. Think of it this way. If, if, if you knew that everything you did, you were being watched, would you do it? If you knew that you were being watched in that uh, transaction or that uh, in, in, your, in your methods of uh, stealing, would you actually do it? Probably not. Probably not. You know, on the back of the dollar bill, if you look on the back of the dollar bill above the pyramid, there's an eye above the pyramid. You know why that eye is put there? It was put there because the government wanted you to know that every transaction you do, God is watching you. God is watching you. I don't know why they didn't put them on a five or a 10 or a 20, but it's on the dollar bill. Maybe because it's the one most readily transferred between people. God is watching you. But see, here's what happens. Satan comes along and says, nobody's watching. Nobody's looking at you. It's okay. You can take that. It's owed to you. Your employer's not being right with you. Your employer's cheating you out of that. It's okay. Nobody is noticing what you do. Here's the thing. The most important person in the world knows, and that's God. And someday the Bible says that we will stand before God and give judgment. He will give judgment on every transaction, everything we've ever done. Job chapter 34, 21 through 22 says this, his eyes are on the ways of men. He sees their every step. There is no dark place, no deep shadow where evildoers can hide. Nothing escapes God's vision. You can fool people. You might even be able to fool the government. You might be able to fool the insurance company, but you cannot fool God. And someday you will have to stand and give an account for what you did. Not only are you being watched by God, but you're being watched by others. The Bible says, uh, do your good works before men that they may, uh, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works. The Bible says that we are, we are doing work before people. We're, we're doing it, shining a light on what we believe and what we think. There are people that you may work with, people that you may live around, people that you may hang around with, that may, they may not like your personality. They may disagree with your faith, but they should, they should always respect your integrity. Always. The way you behave, the way you, you handle yourself will be a testimony to those individuals. And your integrity, your integrity should always point them to God and not to someone else. So you should be honest because you're being watched. You should be honest because you will reap what you sow. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says, don't be deceived. A man reaps what he sows. This is what we call the law of the universe. Look, if I, point, if I plant corn seeds, I'm going to grow corn, not potatoes. If I plant apple seeds, I'm going to grow an apple tree, not peaches. No matter how much I wish it was a peach tree, it would never be a peach tree. You are going to reap whatever it is you sow. If you sow bad character, you're going to reap bad character. That's just the way it is. 
If you are one out there constantly sowing, uh, uh, sowing seeds, uh, stealing, that is what you're going to reap. Whatever you give out in life is what you are going to get back. If you cheat others, guess what? You're going to be cheated. If you take advantage of others, they're going to take advantage of you. But the opposite is true as well. If, if, you, treat, if you treat everything honestly and you do right, and, and you don't steal, and you don't rob, and you don't cheat individuals, the Bible says that God's going to bless you. He'll bless your life in those ways. So you should be honest because you will reap what you sow. Third, you should be honest to protect your character. Nothing will damage your character more than being dishonest. Proverbs 10 verse 2 in the today's English version says this, Wealth you get by dishonesty will do you no good, but honesty can save your life. The Bible says that Satan is a thief. He is the prince of thieves. He is the father of thieves. And Jesus said, the thief comes to kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life. Satan's a thief, but God is always truthful. Satan is dishonest. God is always honest. Every time I make a decision to steal, whatever that might be, I'm choosing to side with the devil because he is, the, he is a, the prince of thieves. He is the father of thieves. The devil wants you to steal. Hear me on this. The devil wants you to steal because every time you steal, you begin to look a little bit more like him. That's why God says, I want you to look more like me. I want you to be honest in everything you do because I want you to look more like Christ. I want you to look more like me than I do, than I want you to look like the devil. Every decision you make, you're either becoming more like God or you're becoming more like the devil. Every decision you make. The question is, which one do you want to become? You want to become like God or you want to become like Satan? Fourth. You should be honest because God will reward your honesty. He will reward your honesty in this life, and He will reward your honesty in eternity. Proverbs 28 verse 20 says, A faithful man will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. Jesus said if, you live, if, you, if, you, if you're honest and you live an honest life, then you'll have a full and you'll have a happy life. But if you are, are dishonest and, and, you, and you're doing these type of things, all those problems that you bring in your life, you're eventually going to be punished for them. There aren't a lot of get-rich schemes out there, but God has a word about get-rich schemes. He says, don't be stupid. Don't be foolish. You don't normally make money by, by a, a get-rich scheme. You make money by, you get wealth by little by little, investing properly, being patient, and allowing it to develop over time. That's the way you get wealth. You do it that way. And the greatest rewards you're ever going to have are going to be in eternity. Be in eternity. Every day of your life, you're being tested by God. You didn't know that, did you? But God's throwing out these tests. And to see how you do. He's testing you in ways that many times we, we, don't, we don't understand. And how you perform on those tests 
is going to determine rewards that we will receive in heaven. Listen, you're going to spend millions of years in eternity in one of two places. You're either going to spend it in hell or you're going to spend it in heaven. And the way you pass the test here on earth is going to determine where you're going to spend eternity. When I get there, how do I know what rewards or what responsibilities I'm going to get? I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm talking about the rewards that you get in heaven. God is testing you in three ways. Here they are, through trials, through temptation, and through your treasures. Trials, temptations, and your treasures. He's testing you. How are you going to do in these trials? How are you going to do with temptations? How are you going to do with your treasures? God is doing that because I want to see what's important to you. Uh, I, 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 want, I want to see uh, how you respond to these things in your life, to the trials, to the temptations, and to the treasures. I want to see how you respond. And somewhere over in Luke chapter 16, Jesus said, whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. If you can't be trusted with the small things, how can I trust you with the bigger things? If I respond correctly to the little things, if I respond correctly to the things that God puts in my life, we will hear, well done, you've been faithful in small things. I will trust you with greater ones. Come and enjoy and, and, and join in your master's happiness. There's rewards in heaven. God is setting aside rewards in heaven. I don't know what they look like. I have no idea what they're going to look like, but it says that there's going to be rewards in heaven. And how we, how we live today determines how that will happen. So if I know there's going to be rewards in heaven, how, do I, how can I prepare? How can I respond to receive those rewards? There's three steps to a lifestyle of integrity, and we'll be done real quick. First, make restitution as quick as possible. Make restitution when possible. Probably no greater story in the Bible to illustrate this than the story in Luke chapter 19 of a wee little man. You've heard the story of a man by the name of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a man of short stature. Uh, he was a tax collector. And every time you hear the word tax collector, it's boo hiss in the crowd. You see, there's three levels of people in society. There's Gentiles, sinners, uh, there's Jews, there's Gentiles, sinners, tax collectors. They're below sinners. And the Bible says that Jesus came into the town and that Zacchaeus wanted to look at this man, this, this prophet who's coming to town. So he climbed up a tree and Jesus walked to the tree. And he said, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to your house today and I'm going to have a meal with you. And so Zacchaeus went and, and, and he threw a party. And at that party, he became under conviction. And he said, I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to do what God would have me to do. And, and he, said, he said, Lord, he said, if I have defrauded anybody, if I've cheated anybody, I'm going to give back four times more than I cheated them. You see, what, what had happened in his life, he came under conviction and decided to make restitution as quickly as could. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 19, verse 9, that Jesus says salvation has come to this house today. Why did salvation come to this house? Because Zacchaeus, hear me on this, Zacchaeus' actions proved that he was genuinely saved. 
We sometimes like to think, think that, yeah, all we have to do is believe. And that's true, we believe. But does your belief result in actions that you are taking that verifies that you truly are saved? Works did not save him, but his works verified that he indeed was saved. He was a real believer. It's not just a matter of belief. It's a matter of our behavior. You know, perhaps there is someone that you need to make restitution to. Maybe there's an employer you need to go back and say, hey, you know, I cheated on my timesheet. You know, I, I, I fudged this business expense. Maybe you've got something that belongs to somebody else and you need to get it back to them. God's Word says, man, make restitution as quickly as you can. Make restitution when possible. Second, give God my full tithe. Give God my full tithe. Is it right for a person to cheat God? Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. Did you know the Bible has more promises about giving than any other thing in the Bible? Because money is our number one, is the number one competition for God. You either love God or you love money. One of the two, you will do it. Where does it say we ought to bring it? It says bring it to the storehouse. In the Old Testament times, the storehouse was the temple. It's their place of worship. Today, the storehouse is the place where we worship, which is God's house. Listen, if, you give, if you're giving 10% or 5% somewhere else and 5% here, if you're giving 5% to Western Heights and 5% to the First Baptist Church, Atlanta, Georgia, because Dr. Charles Stanley is the pastor there, guess what? You're not giving a tithe to God. I'll guarantee you, Dr. Charles Stanley is not going to bury you. Dr. Charles Chan is not going to attend your funeral. First Baptist Atlanta is not going to have anything to do with your memorial service. I doubt very seriously they even know that you're gone. Oh, I am meddling now, am I not? See, I know how many people stay home. Well, you know, we come to Sunday school, but we get our preaching from Charles Stanley. I said, you know what? There's a thing now called DVR. DVR it. Record it. He'll be on another time too. Trust me. He's on all the time. But I don't want to bash Charles Stanley. What I'm trying to make a point is that many people, when we give some to this church, some to that church, some to that church, that's not what the Bible says. It says bring it to the local storehouse. Why? So there may be food in my house. There may be food in God's house. There may be money in God's house so that God's house can do ministry to the people around Like I said, if I'm not tithing, I'm paying my bills with stolen money. If I'm not tithing, I am ripping off God. And one day, I will give an account for the way that I used God's money appropriately. If you are going to start tithing, start today. What if I said, you know, I've made a decision. I'm going to stop stealing next month. No, if I'm going to stop stealing, I'm going to start today. 
Don't sit there and say, I'll start giving to God next month. No, you want to give to God now. Why? Because you don't want to be guilty of stealing from God. Now, some people say, well, I'm tired of these Old Testament preachers. So are the Ten Commandments. Are you going to stop doing them? Well, you know, it says we shouldn't murder. Well, that's Ten God's Old Testament preacher. That means we can go out and murder now. Why? Because we're saved by grace and not by the law. We're not going to stop doing the Ten Commandments because they're Old Testament. <clears throat> Why do we suddenly say, well, you know, tithing's Old Testament. Uh, should we do less under, under grace than we do under the law? Uh, the way I understand it is that under grace, we do more than we ever did under the law. Because under the law, you're earning your salvation. Under grace, you're thanking God for your salvation. Make restitution when possible. Give God my full tithe. Finally, make a living honestly. Make a living honestly. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands. I'm not going to get, in, I'm not going to get into this idea of, of what our government does. You know, but if you're receiving money for doing nothing, in the Bible, you know what they call that? They call that dishonesty. They call that stealing. But I know I'm really meddling now. You ought to live your life. Everything you do is if God is your boss and you're working for the Lord. So everything you do takes on a, a different significance. There may be somebody else paying your salary. There may be somebody else giving you money. But you need to live your life as if you're working for the Lord. Somewhere in the book of Revelation, I, I can't remember exactly where it is, and it may not be worded exactly like this, but it says that no dishonest person will be allowed into heaven. Wow. No dishonest person will be allowed in heaven. You know what? I look around this room, there's none of us stand a chance. Not one of us. I don't stand a chance of getting into heaven. You know what? Because I have been dishonest in my life. So what do we do? What do we do? If no dishonest person get in heaven, what do we do? We come to Jesus. We have a come to Jesus meeting. We come to Jesus say, Jesus, I have, I have no way of getting into heaven unless I, I come to you. And Jesus said, that's why I came. That's why I came is to give you an access to heaven, to give you a way to get into heaven. And so what you have to do is you have to understand that Jesus came to pay the price for your sins that you could not pay for yourself. You need to come to him and say, Lord Jesus, I've been dishonest in my life. I've defrauded people. I've deceived. I've stolen from you and I've stolen from others. God, I don't have a chance to get into heaven. But Lord Jesus, I come to you today and today I want to make you Lord of my life. Today, I want to give my life to you and ask you to forgive me for everything I've done and help me to live a new life. The Bible says that Jesus came to give life to the fullest. And say, today, Lord Jesus, I commit my life to you. That's what some of you need to do. And you may even be a believer, 
but you've, you, you've got that fire insurance. You know, you're, you're protected from hell. What you really need is, Lord, help me to live the abundant life today. And the way you do that is just totally submitting to his leadership and to his lordship in your life. For some of you, you need to do that this morning. You've been dishonest, and you want to know how to prosper with integrity. God's Word says this is the way that you can do it. So what decision do you make today? For some of you, you say, you know, I need Jesus, the Lord, to save my life because, man, I have really messed up my life, but I know that I can live an abundant life in the future if I just give my life to Jesus. For others of you, you're a follower of Jesus. Listen, the nation of Israel were followers of, of God, but they rebelled, and God still loved them. I want you to know, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you, you're still messed up, I want you to know God still loves you. He will not take away his sonship or daughtership upon you. I always tell people it goes this way. Before you come to Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, Jesus is your judge. God is your judge. Once you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, God then becomes your loving Father. You might disappoint Him. You might let Him down. You might do some things that, that don't necessarily honor Him, but He's still your Father, and He loves you. Loves you. So some of you need to recommit your life to Him and say, you know, I, I, I've... I, I'm a believer, but I've kind of messed up. I want to live for you today. For others of you, maybe you need a church home, a place to say, you know, I need to be a part of a church home where I can be accountable. You know, I, I, can, be, uh, I can be discipled. I can be disciplined, but also where I can serve others and be served by others. I know a great church that you can be a part of. And it's not down the street. It's right here. At Western Heights. We would love to have you be a part of this fellowship of believers. We can tell you how to do that. Kip's going to come and lead us in a song. Marilyn and Cassie will come and play. Josh is going to come forward and Marcy's going to come over here. We'll be here to pray with you, to counsel with you, to offer any advice or any wisdom we can. Uh, whatever decision God is leading to make, I'm going to invite you to come as we stand together.